All right, um, this is episode 31 of the Apex Vaulting Podcast. We're going to pump out two podcasts this week. I'm super excited. Um, just want to kind of re- recap a little bit about the last podcast and let people know um, that kind of I wanted to put a lot of information in that. I probably should do kind of a, a podcast episode just on mid-marks and kind of go more in depth on that. But it was something quick I wanted to throw in because uh, somebody who listens wa- wanted some more info. And then I wanted to get, you know, Rob's perce- perspective as a high school student who's going through the vault and seeing things, you know, what he thought. Um, so that's kind of what last episode was about. Um, this episode, though, super awesome. And I kind of want to get uh, this individual's thoughts on this idea. But I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people in, let's say, the sports world or more specifically the streaming conditioning world hate on CrossFit a lot. And regardless of how you feel about CrossFit, I think what people are forgetting and what people aren't seeing is that the reason CrossFit is so popular and what makes it what it is today is the huge sense of community that it creates. You know, you join a CrossFit gym, you're part of that family, and you get to go to a CrossFit event where it's welcoming, open, people have a good time. You know, there's activities for young people, there's activities for adults. I mean, they serve beer at CrossFit uh, competitions. You know, it's just, it's a fun atmosphere and it's very, very inviting and, and you could be part of the family. Whereas I feel like a lot of times with the track world, I don't think it's as inviting. Um, and, and so we're going to kind of talk about this sense of community, you know, and so without further ado, you know, I want to uh, introduce everybody to Brad Hoey. Um, he was one of my uh, former high school athletes a long time ago. What, what years did you jump in the club in the high school? You know, I can't really remember. You started, well, what year did you graduate high school? I graduated 2011. I think I started 2009 or 2010. Yeah, it was uh, the summer going into your junior year? Yes. Yeah, yes. so you just finished sophomore year of vaulting with your high school coach, mm-hmm. Coach Keith, yes. who was awesome, yep. great guy. He really yep. developed a great uh, – Povolt community mm-hmm. at Riverdale High School in New yeah. Jersey, um, and you know, and then he he kind of recommended for you to to come by the club to get more jumps in and, and such. Um, you know, wh- why don't you take us through that? Like, t- take us through like your experience with Coach Keith first in the Povolt, how you maybe got pushed into the Povolt, like why how'd you end mm-hmm. up being a Povolter, and and what you loved about maybe Coach Keith's community that he created there. Well, to be honest. Um how I got into pole vaulting, it was, it's really funny, um, interesting, I guess. I never wanted to be a part of uh, a team sport. I didn't really like team sports. I didn't want to run track. That was, well, I, th- I think team sports made it too easy for you to blame other people for losing. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad, Brad, Brad tries to find a reason he lost, and he doesn't want it to be him sometimes. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just yeah. pay, busting your chops. <laughs> but um, I was riding my bike with a couple of my friends, and we rode past the football pit. And in New Jersey, like many other states, uh, there isn't pole vaulting in middle school. Right, yeah. No pole vault in middle school in New Jersey. So um, I looked at the pole vault. It looked like fun. And I looked at my friend and I said, next year, we're going to do that. And yeah. That's just it. And that's how you got involved in Pobo. So l- let me bring up a couple things, right? Um, sorry, I just got to grab my coffee. Bronco can't do stuff without coffee. Uh, so 
let's let's kind of take this apart. One, I guarantee, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times when you went out for team sports, you probably had to sit the bench, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were the guy that wasn't going to get to play, mm-hmm. and let's face it, that's boring, right? Like, yeah. you go to all those practices, now you got to sit the bench while people are playing soccer or basketball. And I'll tell you for a fact, Brad Hoey is not good at basketball. This guy got a goose egg against me one-on-one. Couldn't get a bucket. He's in the prime of his high school career athletically, and I was I was pretty fat back then too. But I had but I had those sweet moves. I'm telling you, listen, LeBron, if you're listening, I don't know what's gonna happen game four. You might not hear this in time, but for next year at least, LeBron, I can show you those sweet moves that took out Brad Hoey. Okay, goose egg, goose egg. All right, but. Sorry, went the too far aside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I oh, and by the way, LeBron, my number's 201-669-1828. Just reach out. I can help you out. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Anyway, but going back, so you, you weren't going to be a kid that was going to get a lot of playing time, and now you go out for track. Well, what happens at track? Were you fast enough for the sprints? At first, no. No, I, I, the coaches pushed me around to find something that, you know, I... You could maybe be successful, yeah. But, um... I don't think and that, what uh, and what group eventually welcomed you? Pole vault. Pole vault. Yeah. yeah. Go 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 ahead. Go into that because I cut you off. Well, um, you know, at first. Like what thing, events did you try? Like what, what happened? Long jump, uh, sprints. Yeah. I, I really can't remember. I just yeah. Know so you that, tried a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And um, I wasn't doing really well in anything. I wasn't having, you know, fun doing that. Yeah. And I, I think. At first, there, there weren't that many people going into pole vault right, my right. year, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to do that because that was like, fun. And then the coaches were just like, yeah, you know what, you go do that. It's, it's fine. Right, right, right. Yeah, so he, here's my thing too, and, and I want people who are listening to this to think about this experience. And, and Brad would eventually jump 14-4 as a senior from a five left because he had a pulled hamstring. I think he could have jumped a lot higher. In college, you jumped 15, three and three quarters, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I think pretty productive pole vaulter. He ended up becoming a good athlete. I think oftentimes we know with especially young boys before they go through puberty, sometimes they're not going to excel yeah. as a freshman in high school mm-hmm. at any event. Um, but the thing is, you felt welcome. <clears throat> Welcomed by Coach Keith. Yeah. He invited you. And even though maybe you weren't jumping 14, I mean, what'd you jump freshman year? Did you even hit nine feet? I may have jumped nine feet. Maybe nine. And yet he had this welcoming figure in Coach Keith. I mean, I can't press upon people enough that Coach Keith is one of those people that I looked up to as a coach being able to, to give what he did. Like he went above and beyond as a public coach and really, one, made all the kids feel uh, free to fail. You know, it was okay. If you didn't get it the first time, that was all right. Coach Keith was still going to smile. He was still going to be there, and he was going to give you a helping hand. You know, so he was very inviting. I think that's something that the track world, again, I don't see that with a lot of track coaches. I see, in fact, look, more often than not, the thing that I even hear from pole vault people, and I remember seeing it on message boards in the past, people would put, only the best athletes should pole vault. One, as a pole vault coach... I mean, especially in your case, you end up becoming a school record holder. You weren't the best athlete as a freshman. No. You were the, the throwaway athlete. Yeah. You know, so as a pole vault coach, you're not going to get the opportunity to get the best athlete. That kid is probably running the 100, the 200, the 400, maybe the 800. You know, you're not going to get that kid at, mm-hmm. at the pole vault. And so what you need to do is be welcome and open to having anyone and 
everyone pole vault, you know? Um, so we need to, to provide that sense of community. And so you found that with the pole vault. And look, how old are you now, Brad? I just turned 25. All right, just turned 25, and for some odd reason, you want to come hang out at the club today, <laughs> you know, on a random uh, Thursday. So what happened to Apex? So now, you know, Coach Keith gives you that that sense of community, does that for you. Now you come to Apex. Take people through your experience at Apex. What were your thoughts? Why Why did you maybe, like, you know, fall in love with the club the way you did? And why, why you know, why come hang out now all these years later? Mm. Well, I mean... Starting off, I, I, I don't know. I, I was a little intimidating at, at first. Uh, I was jumping with uh, Kurt Dunn. He, he was yeah. Jumping, so like, here I am, you know, a freshman or a sophomore, jumping like nine or ten feet. Yeah. And then I have this big guy jumping seventeen plus. Yeah, he was seventeen three guys. So you know, and I forget that the yeah. early days. You know, we were. The club was just at West Milford High School. We were outdoors, yeah. and yeah, we had Kurt Dunn. He was like five foot eleven. I think he's just shy of six foot. Sorry, Kurt, if you're upset. Um, by the way, he also in that game where Brad didn't score a point on me. Then Kurt came in trying to save the day. He got a goose egg. That's right, a seventeen three foot, seventeen uh, three vaulter could not score a point against me. So again, LeBron, it's two zero one six six nine one eight two eight. I'm telling you, you, no one will stop you. I can show you these sweet moves, okay? Anyway, going back to pole vault. So, yeah, I mean, think about that. You're, you're a freshman, sophomore kid. You know, you're jumping whatever you're jumping. And, and I remember you would show up. You'd have these, like, long basketball-type shorts. Yeah. And you'd have your, uh, your white tank top, like yeah. the undershirt. You know, you'd come to practice with that. And you're this goofy high school kid. Yeah. And then here's Kurt Dunn, who's 5'11", 185 pounds, shredded. I mean, this guy would Huge. jump on like 15, 200 from a yeah. five and, yeah. you know, be trying to go for a 17-foot bungee. And and you're allowed to practice with this guy. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you were on a team sport, you know what I mean, you'd be, like, carrying the ball bag out to the field. Yeah. You wouldn't be part of the, the group, you know. So that's... Look, that's an advantage that I feel like people don't see in the pole vault. Like, look, you can have – at the club, we never have more than 10 kids on the runway at one time because I don't – I think once you go beyond that, it's it's not a manageable number. I think that's the highest amount of kids you can handle. Um, but it does no harm having a 17-footer on the same runway as a little girl at her first pole vault lesson, mm -hmm. which I've had happen numbers of times, by mm -hmm. the way. You know, and sometimes it's inspirational. That kid sees that that person jumping like, wow, I'm here with this stud. Like, that's awesome, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like Kurt, well, he, he, he welcomed you like you were his new little brother. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So go ahead and continue. Like, what, what were some experiences that really, like, locked you in and made you an apex kid? You know what I mean? Well, uh, the, the first thing, well, well actually, the, the first thing that really drew me in was – Having you as you know, my coach mm -hmm. because you were more than happy to work with me. Mm -hmm. um, but one uh, specific event was the summer meet. Okay. Yeah. When everybody around uh, in the club at that time came in and they were competing, and then you know people didn't jump as high as they wanted to, but at the end we all got together and. And we all had fun. It was a fun time. And I think, I think a bunch of the kids ended up going to one of the vaulters, lived nearby. He had a pool at his house. So everybody went. It was like a big mm -hmm. pool party, barbecue, and everybody had a blast. And mm -hmm. look, this is another, like, okay. So 
for everyone listening to this and thinking about, you know, how do you make pole vault bigger? I think people have the wrong idea sometimes. They say, why isn't ESPN putting pole vault on the television? It's ESPN's fault that our sport isn't growing. Wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm never giving someone else the power of whether or not my thing fails. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Stop blaming ESPN because if ESPN thought they could sell commercial hours for putting on pole vault, they would. Mm -hmm. I mean, guys, for God's sakes, they, they put on flip cup tournaments. So, you know, if they thought they could sell ad space with pole vault competitions, they would. Okay. So here's the thing. I think sometimes people think too big and think about what drew you in and made you like kind of a lifer in pole vault is that sense of community. And it was a simple outdoor meet that was held at West Milford High School. You know, um, we just, I remember we put the hurdles out and we stacked poles and all the hurdles. Mm -hmm. So it looked like really cool. There was like yeah. poles everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, every, and we made like little simple shirts. I just literally, we made shirts that kind of look cool. I thought we had fluorescent colors and we just, we have a pretty cool logo. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not anything corny. I'm sorry, but if kids aren't wearing your shirt, it's probably corny. Don't make a corny shirt. I mean, just straight up. So everybody's wearing that stuff. We had music playing. It was mm -hmm. simple. It was out of high school. I think sometimes try, people try to put on events that end up costing way too much and they don't make business sense. Like, you know, someone will try to do a street vault or a beach vault before they're ready to do an event like that. And then it's like, well, they just lost a lot of money, you know, and now they don't want to do it again. Mm -hmm. And now there's no prize money because you had to put so much money into like getting the runways ready, getting people to work the meet, getting this. Like last year I, I held an event. It was the Northeast Pole Vault Club Championships. Mm -hmm. um, we had like 50 plus competitors and I forget the number of spectators. I can actually reverse. Hold on. I can tell you how many spectators we had. Um, go... Um, it was 20, we had 42 spectators. We charged them $10 a, a, a pop. And so that, all that spectator money, so there was an entrance fee for the athletes, but all the spectator money went to prize money. We were able to give $220 each to, to the winning male and the women, winning female, you know, and we held it at a club. So the cost was almost nothing. This year, we're doing it at my club because we added the second pit. It's just going to be, I think, a, be a better thing because we have two pits going at the same time. Cut down on the time, make it more efficient. Um, we have a food truck coming. Food truck, not a big deal. They told me that if, if they don't hit the number they would like to hit, I'm going to owe them $150. That's going to be a zero cost because you know there's going to be more than $150 of burgers bought that day. Um, then we got a DJ. You know, He's a buddy of mine. He hooks it up, but we, we pay him. That's going to be a little bit of a cost. And then we get the medals. Big deal. But it's like it's going to be a fun event. There's music, food truck. We're going to set up a pull-up contest outside of the club. We're going to put some cornhole setups out so people can do activities you know, like that while they're waiting for their athlete to jump and watch the competition unfold. We're going to also have uh, pop-up tents and tables set up for any clubs that want to promote their club, like hand out brochures, sell their T-shirts, this, that, and the other. I think sometimes people try to go too big and something grassroots like that is really, really fun and makes people want to come back to your club. You know who hit me up yesterday that wants to come to the meet? Huh. Nick Palmer. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. And for those of you that don't know, you can go on my YouTube channel. Uh, I have a video called This is Pole Vault, mm-hmm. and it's Nick Palmer. He's this little dude. He's five foot four. Mm-hmm. Um, he grips 12-1, and he jumps 13 feet in the video. And what's really, really interesting, if you look at Peter McGinnis's uh, bio chart, he says you have to run 7.1 meters per second to clear 13 feet. Well, Nick only ran 6.8 that day. So he actually ran slower than Dr. Peter McGinnis recommends you run to jump 13 <laughs> feet. Awesome video. So Nick wants to come to the event. Because he's seeing so much stuff on social media, he's like, yo, I want to be a part of that. That's the other point that now I want to bring up with clubs. And, and, you know, I think too many clubs only cater to one demographic. Mm -hmm. You know, so many clubs are like high school only. I mean, I even had a kid that he had an internship. He goes to Stevens College, uh, Andy Accardi. He he had an internship. He had to do somewhere in the Virginia area, hit up a couple clubs. And a lot of them were just like, we only deal with high school kids. And that's a shame. Like, why would you say no to a demographic, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, for me, this is how I feel. I would love nothing more. I can't wait for the day that this happens, Brad, because it's going to happen. I can't wait for the kid that joins the club, kind of like Andy did. I mean, Andy's going to be the first one. Andy joined when he was in seventh grade. Yeah. He's now going into his senior year of college. You know, he still vaults at the club. And I can tell Andy just likes pole vaulting. Like, as long as he's in this geographical region... Andy will keep coming to the club and keep jumping. So he's going to be someone that's literally a lifer, like jumping his whole life possibly, mm-hmm. right? We can have clubs that are like that, like like kind of a CrossFit model where, you know, people keep coming back. But the, uh, one of the keys and, you know, again, and maybe you can talk more about this, is for clubs to provide competitions. Mm-hmm. The competitions are huge because if you're just practicing, I mean, you tell me, Brad, I mean, That'd be boring, right, if you just go to practice? I mean, heck, that's kind of why you didn't want to do team sports, right? Because you didn't want to just go to practice and not compete. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, t- tell tell people, listen, like, tell them your maybe favorite moments in pole vault. I mean, I, obviously, I'm sure you're going to talk about PRs, but, you know, talk about some of the meets. Were they high school meets? Were they college meets? Or did they tend to be those open, unattached meets? I mean, you already talked one of your favorite moments or p- pivotal moments was that summer meet at West Milford, right? Yeah. So t- talk about some of your favorite moments in pole vault. Honestly, um, I, I think I, I, yeah, I, have, I had more fun when I went to open meets on the off-season. Right. So like we, we used to always go to the Beach Fall. Right, Jersey Beach Fall. Seaside mm-hmm. Heights. And, it's a it's a great event run by Mike Pescuzo. You know, I give that guy a lot of credit. I know sometimes even uh, sorry to cut you off again, Brad, but you can continue in a second. But I know a lot of people tend to to kind of give Mike some shit sometimes. But Mike puts up with a lot of crap to put on an event. Like, look, when you're dealing with an event that draws sometimes over 500 athletes, you know, and plenty of coaches who all have opinions, someone's not going to be happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he puts on a great event. It's a blast. I know all my kids, um, actually Calvin Gould just walked in because he's about to do practice. He was like so pissed the other day. He's like, what? When is the beach ball? Oh my God, I have a family vacation. Like, and he kind of like was looking at me like as if I could change the date. Like I could be like, hey, Mike Pascuzo, Calvin can't make that weekend. Can we switch it up? So again, Mike, you do a great job, you know. Um, and I guess when you're putting on these events, you can't worry about one or two people complaining about something. But but go ahead. So beach ball, what, what else? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. Well, of- how, about, how about even this? Forget about even specific events. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about a couple, like my, my little, like, you know, high school meet that I did, you know, the beach ball, and then just hanging out with the crew. But, like, what about these events made it more fun than, let's say, your high school or college meets? It's just, 
I mean, we've been talking about that, that sense of community. I mean, when I when I take a jump, I have people, my my opponents cheering for me. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely unique. Well, something. well, you definitely and you have your club cheering mm-hmm. for you. I, I think I think more than your mm-hmm. opponents because this is a funny thing too, and I think this gets mm-hmm. confused too. I think look, there's nothing wrong with being. Friendly with the competition. I think though you're still competing. But at these like open events, your club members, your team, mm-hmm. right? And obviously it's an individual sport, but your training partners cheer for you. Mm-hmm. It's just normal. Um, I'll tell you what though, I mean, I'll use an example in the club. Like you jumped at the same time as Chris Steele. Chris mm-hmm. Steele jumped 14 6. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you happy when he beat you at Meet of Champs? I was actually really pissed off. Yeah. Okay. Because because so, let's not let's not mix it up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I don't want to mix things up. Like I, I want to really be transparent and honest yeah. when we talk about things. You know. Yes, the sense of community is huge, but we still compete. Oh, yeah. That's that's something that I sometimes even feel. You know, it's hard for someone to become a fan of pole vault when all the people competing are super friendly mm-hmm. and you don't watch competition. Mm-hmm. Like no one. No one would pay tickets to watch practice. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're friends practicing together. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on the line. Right. People like watching competition. They'll pay for tickets to go watch competition because they like to see people duke it out. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been mentioning LeBron, but it's like LeBron uh, basically by himself is up against the Golden State Warriors now, mm-hmm. right now. We are riveted by this. Some people want to see LeBron lose. Some people want to see LeBron win. Some people want to see the Warriors win. Some people want to see the Warriors lose. Some people just want to see this all play out, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're watching is this competition. I think if LeBron and Kevin Durant were doing selfies before the the game and saying, hey, good luck, I wish you the best, like this and that, it kind of that's not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So and and maybe we should have a I'll, I'll have a separate podcast episode about that. But so let let's go back into. I mean, there's definitely that sense of competition when you when you compete. Like you said, your own club teammate Chris Steele beats you at State Meet of Champs. You you were not happy that day. I mean, I remember. Yeah. I I can't imagine your parents probably hated that car ride home. Mm-hmm. Hated it because you were probably either silent or like tearing the car apart. Because <laughs> um, I, I literally have seen Brad after a bad meet. I can remember this clearly. Brad, like PV lights. If you own a pair of PV lights, you know they have the Velcro strap across the middle. Brad literally ripped the Velcro strap off his PV lights and threw his spikes. <laughs> and this is at, I think, uh, yeah, this is at his first college meet of the season as a sophomore. So it was, it was just so funny. So definitely a competitive dude. But so you like the fact that at the open meets, you know, you have your, your club teammates there. You have people cheering you on. What, how does that differ from, like, let's say a college or high school track meet? How is it different from a high school track? Um, I mean, I just feel like the, no matter what, like when you're at a competition, there's always a, a some pressure. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely pressure. But, I mean, in, in a way, I, I felt a little bit more comfortable when I had, like, the club presence with me. Whereas, like, if I'm at my high school or at my college, I just have my regular teammates there. Right, and it's not as much, like, so let, let me try to maybe paint the picture that you're, you're trying to explain. You tell me if uh, I'm wrong. But, like, 
what I think you're kind of getting at is when you're at a club setting or an open pole vault meet, something that's pole vault only, like the beach ball, like the Reno pole, mm-hmm. pole vault summit, um, you know, like something run at a high school that, you know, clubs that are at high schools can do already. It's more inviting. More people are cheering you on. There's more support. Everybody's focused in on the pole vault. They're actually watching it unfold. Yes. Where how many times can you be at a high school college meet? You could literally clear your PR and no one's cheering. Yeah. There's no reaction. Yeah. And so then it's like, you kind of have this, like, it's like a flat line. Like, you know, when they, like in the hospital, they have people's heartbeat. It's like, bum, 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 And it's like, that's what you have at a college track meet sometimes. That Like, unless you're literally going for like some kind of national record, yeah. like something unbelievable. No one's really paying attention to the X's and O's except mm-hmm. for maybe you and your coach. Yeah. You know, nobody's really watching who's clearing a bar. Someone may glance over at some point, but it's like, it's not on, you know, whereas you go to these open meets, man, the energy, the vibe, it's, it's so much more fun. You don't have officials yelling at you. You don't have the, the coach of, of the distance team from the other side, like yelling at you for, you know, crossing the track, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's so many things and, and I get it. Listen, for some of you that are listening to this and you're like, well, Bronco, like a track meet has to be run a certain way. And yes, I get it. But let, let's, let's think about this. When you go to, whether it's high school or college track meet, the purpose of the meet has very little to do with spectators. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to be spectator friendly with track. Half the time, there's not even a performance board at some of these events. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea who's in the lead. Some of these distance races, you have no idea who's in the lead, who's getting lapped. You, you have no idea what's going on. Because the purpose of these meets is to serve the coaches who are trying to get marks for their kids, who are trying to qualify for something, or win the meet. That's like everything about the meat is angled towards that and very little for the spectator. It's not to have a good time. It's not to have fun. Look, pole vault, and, and I'm, I'm being a little bit selfish here. I'm a pole vault guy. Pole vault people need to start thinking about how do we make it better for the spectator? How do we make it better for the fan? Like at the pole vault club championships, like I said, we're going to have a fun atmosphere, DJ, food, music, you know, we're going to have an announcer. We're going to have an announcer. We had him last year. He's going to announce again, Joe Oliveri. He's going to talk about who's in the lead. He's going to even do things like this. And I know some people may not agree with this, but I think this is huge for spectators. After you take a jump, Joe can walk up to you and be like, hey, Brad, that looked like a big jump. You know, any changes for the next jump? You're going to go up a pole, up a grip. What are we going to do? Looks like you hit a 51 mid. Is that a good mid for you? Mm -hmm. Should you, you know, but because here's the thing, the more educated the spectator can be, the more they understand the sport. Now... For good and for bad, you take a jump. If you make it, awesome. You look like a hero because mm-hmm. Brad just told Joe that he was going up a pole and his move worked. Or Brad tells Joe he's not going up a pole or maybe he still is going up a pole. He misses. He gets stood up. Now he looks like a doofus mm-hmm. and everybody sees. And pretty soon that's where, you know, you're going to have fans who are like, oh, that Brad, every time he goes up a pole, he gets stood up. Why don't he just keep it the same? Or, oh my God, he blows through every time he at this bar. Why doesn't he go up a pole? Mm-hmm. You know, fans will become more educated. Because think about this. Don't tell me it's too technical. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me it's too technical. I'm going to use two sports as an example. UFC, guys, I have never done mixed martial arts. I know what a guillotine is. I know what an arm bar is. Mm-hmm. How? That's pretty technical stuff. I know what leg locks are, guys. How? It's because the announcers explain it to you. NASCAR, goodness gracious. I know people who don't even change the oil on their car. 
but they know what wedge is. <laughs> you know, because when the NASCAR, when, when they go for pit stops, they, they, the fans know, are they getting four tires? Are they getting just two tires? Are they getting right sides or left sides? Are they, are they filling up the tank of gas? Are they putting wedge in, taking wedge out? Like the fan knows these adjustments. And then afterwards, if their favorite driver wins, they know why. And if their favorite driver loses, they can be like, well, I knew he should have got four tires. You know, that's half the fun. I mean, half the fun. I'm, I'm going to use LeBron as an example again. Half the fun with the NBA is after the game, we get to criticize or we, we get to applaud what the players have done, right? Like after last night's game, LeBron, bum. I can't believe, you know, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Kevin Durant, awesome. Is he the best ever, right? All of a sudden the conversation starts. So this is what's missing in our sport. You know, we, we have to make it, we have to make it more exciting. We have to make it more fun. And, and what you're saying, I mean, look, unfortunately, I think there's not enough open meets. I think there's not enough club meets. We too much in our sport are relying on high school and college meets to carry us through. I mean, if you're a post collegiate and let's bring it back to Kurt Dunn. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, think about what Kurt had to do to jump post collegiately. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, I, you know, maybe you explain to him. Where, where, how far away did he live from oh, Apex? Oh, oh, oh. I mean, hours. He was in Pennsylvania. We well, an hour and a half. He lived an hour and a half. He was in PA. Oh, then and we we're moved, from New we Jersey. Moved, we moved from West Milford to Oakland, didn't that? Um, that may, that, yeah, that maybe made it a little further, maybe two yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's like he had to drive that distance to go to a club that he could work at. But then it's like he he had to find meets. Mm -hmm. He had a hope that a college was going to let him compete. Yeah. And think about how tough this is. So this is a guy that's obviously like trying to PR. He was, he was obviously trying to get that 18-foot number. But it's like he would have to go to a college meet, drive there early, mm -hmm. at least when the girls' start time was because you never know how many girls are going to be there. It right. could be a lot. could be a few. Yeah. Probably drive two hours to a meet. Sit there for hours and hours and hours, then finally get to compete for what's really a half an hour, mm -hmm. yeah. and then drive home. And then half the time, it's like nobody gives a shit that he's jumping. Yeah. No, nobody's like, you know, being nice and friendly and warm and cozy to him. And in fact, he's got to kiss up to those coaches who let him into the meet so that they let him into the meet ne the next time, mm -hmm. next year, year mm -hmm. you know. And then it's like if he had a bad day, it's like all of a sudden, like, man, we would make trips up to Boston sometimes to go to, go to like, meets in Boston during indoors. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so you go four and a half hours, maybe for him it was five and a half hours, six hours, drive to Boston, stay overnight, pay for the hotel, you know, pay for the meet entry. You know, and the meet entry is not a big deal. I don't want to overblow that. It's like 25 bucks sometimes. You know, but it's like, so you go out of your way, you go there, and you have to wait through this whole freaking meet. And it's not like it's, again, it's not a fun time. You literally just have to sit there and watch. You don't get to, like... Oh, like go play cornhole mm -hmm. and talk to somebody about Povol and everybody's excited to be there. No, like half the people there, they don't want to be there, you know, cause they're, they're on college scholarship and they probably like don't even want to do track anymore. You know, um, it, you don't see this like lifelong attitude towards track, you know, I mean, t tell us about that. What, take us through your experiences of college. What did you feel about like most people on your college team? Were they fired up? Were they trying to get better? Or were some of them going through the motions? I mean, what, what did you think about that? I mean, I, I didn't... Going into college, I was a walk-on athlete. Okay. Uh, I, I had to find the school. It's not like 
I was recruited. Right. You jumped yeah. 14-4. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. Virginia Tech was calling you and offering you a full ride or something. Right. right. But a, a bunch of uh, the athletes on the team were kind of in the same boat as me. Right. Um, so we didn't really get fired up until it was our conference meet. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that was it. Yeah, I, I, I find that similarly because the conference meet is the only meet that it, like, really matters. Mm-hmm. You can feel the energy. Yeah. And then it's, like, every meet prior to that is, like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah. And how many kids, like, they don't even train over the summer, which I, I find it laughable. I'm so sorry, and I'm not trying to make anybody pissed, but it's, like, I saw somebody post, like, hey, guys, like, training is great, but make sure you take some rest in the summer and be a teenager. Guys, I don't know if everybody knows this. Four days of inactivity, you lose muscle mass. If you take two months off, I hate to break it to you, you will not be as fast, you will not be as strong, and those poles you were jumping on last season, good luck. You know, and the only time even, and I think high school kids get away with this, is like a high school boy can go through puberty, and then he comes back stronger just because of that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it's like if you're literally doing nothing the whole summer, you're not you're not going to be in jumping shape. I mean, how many times did you see like college teammates that come back from the summer and it's like, yeah, nightmare. Then, then you have to start all over again. Right. And so it's like literally the kid's training all year just to mm-hmm. tie his PR or her yeah. PR by the end of indoors or even outdoors. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it, it's just crazy to me. And, and so that's even like you bring up the conference championship. I think that's, that's a great point. Most, most track things, there's no consequence. There's nothing on the line. I mean, even at the professional meets, a lot of times it's like, look, for those of you that don't know, a lot of the professionals, their, their, their meet pay is arranged prior to the meet. They're getting paid that regardless of whether they know height or make a bar, right? And so it's like, what's the incentive to jump high then? You know what I mean? And so that's why even, you know, what I'm doing with the Pole Vault Club Championships, I'm trying to put something in line. It's like we get a little bragging rights for the Pole Vault Clubs, you know, who's the best in the area, you know. Um, and that's why I'm providing prize money. I think the, the, the business model is really important, guys. If you can, if you charge spectators and listen, I don't think $10 is asking a lot for parents who want to come watch their kids. And when people know that the spectator money is going to prize money, mm-hmm. they're happy that that 17 foot guy or maybe that 12, 13 foot girl is going to get some cash, you know, who's a post collegiate. I think that's awesome. Now there's something in the line and it's so crazy. Brad, you know, Craig Van Leeuwen, right? Mm-hmm. So Craig's jumping at the, at, at the Pobo Club Championships last year. There was only $220 on the line. Mm-hmm. It's not that much money. Right. But him and Peter Roach are jumping, and Peter Roach clears 16-6 on first attempt, and Craig had just missed his first attempt. Craig literally is like, I'm passing. And the fire in his eyes, yeah. like, he wanted, he wanted to win. Yeah. For him, just knowing that he's going to win cash – it made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm telling you, it was thrilling to watch. And that's why I'm super, super pumped. Like, I think about this. Like, holy crap. Like, if there's over $500 on the line this summer, because that's what I think it is. Just looking at the numbers of, like, people that are going to come to the meet and the number of the spectators that we potentially could have, I think it's going to be $500 each. 
I can't wait to see some 16, 17-footers duke it out for 500 bucks because you're going to see a competition like you saw see no other, you mm-hmm. know? And, and people can't tell me that incentive doesn't mean something, you know? I think even, look, last weekend, you know, and, and he actually just walked in, and so we're going to have to cut this uh, podcast short, but I, I really love this one. This is one of my favorite ones. Um, Owen Fogarty just walked in. He's a high school sophomore. He double PR, jumped 14, mm-hmm. right? And so he takes his first attempt at 14.6. He blows through the 14.160, right? And, all right, we're going to go up a pole, and I'm about to make the call because it was a big blow through, so I didn't know if I wanted to go up 5 pounds or 10 pounds. And then we looked at the flex numbers. The 14.65 was only 0.5 stiffer, so it's really 2.5-pound jump. And then my small 70 was a 1.5 jump, so that's like 7.5-pound jump. So we opted for the 70. As we're doing this process of, of discussion – the Hasbro Heights kid clears 14.6 on first attempt. So I go up to Owen. Now, Brad, I want you to imagine this. He just double PR'd. He PR'd by a foot. Just yeah. cleared 14 for the first time. Also breaks. I mean, it's nothing crazy. I know some people are like, well, our sophomore record is like blah, blah, blah. Or Mondo jumped 18 when he was a sophomore. But Owen also is not the child of uh, two Olympic athletes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so he breaks our sophomore record, jumps 14 as a sophomore. Right? I walk up to him and said, Owen. I know you missed 14.6, passed to 15. And the look on his face, he looked at me, he was like, are you an idiot? Like, why would I pass? I just jumped 14 for the first time. I go, Owen, listen, let me give you an analogy. I go, we're at the casino, you just won a million dollars. We're playing with house money. Make a $50,000 bet. Even if we lose, Owen, you're still walking home with $950,000. You still are a winner. Just pass to 15, let's go for the win. And then Owen's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like runs over the official. He almost made 15 people. He was right there and he only had 13 four grip. So he's talking, we're talking about 27 inch push as a high school sophomore. Like I was, I was so pumped. Um, but anyway, so point being is like you watch this stuff and it's like, that's it. Cause he had something on the line. He had something on the line. He's trying to win. That fires people up. And that's where it's like now, guess what, Brad? Just like that West Milford meet. That won you over. You're like, dude, I love Apex. I love Polvol. I want this to be in some capacity a part of my life for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Owen's a lifer now. You know? I'm even telling him, don't go to college. You can open up uh, Apex uh, South Jersey, right? You know what I mean? So it's like, that's it. He's, he's done. He got bit by the bug. He's in. He's in. Mm-hmm. That Moments like that, that's, that's where things go big, you know? Um, I mean, like I said, we, we kind of got to start practice soon, but... Is there anything else that you would like to tell people about, like, how do you sell, I know people hate this word in track because I feel like it's too involved with school, but listen, guys, you have to sell kids on your sport. I don't care what sport you're coaching. I don't care if you're a distance coach. I don't care if you're a soccer coach. You got to sell your, your, your kids or clients or athletes that are walking in on that this is awesome, you know, and look, I don't care what anybody says, man. There is no other sport where you're going to fly 10 feet. 15 feet, 20 feet through the air, like the way you do in pole vault. It's a blast. Um, I mean, my little nephews, man, they can't even do anything right now. They're two and four years old. They're like a little bit too small, but they will run around and I'll throw them on the mats. They, they love it, you know? So I think we have a great sport, but we have to sell it to people. You know what I mean? We have to show them why this is so awesome. What, what advice, Brad? Now as a 25-year-old looking back at, at Povel and what it's done for you, what would you say is important that people have to convey to really get kids to buy in and love this sport 
Um, just to, I mean, it, it sounds, I guess, simple when I say it, but to be inclusive because too many Bingo. times you, you have coaches turn down athletes because, oh, they're they not good enough. They don't look athletic, but right. then they'll take on the more athletic looking person. And then a few years down the line, that person doesn't excel to what the coach maybe thought. Meanwhile, you have the kid that you turned down who's now a beast. Right. Well, and, yeah. and forget about even beast. It's not yeah. even about yeah. that. It's yeah. not even about that. Like, and, you know, I think you said some key words there. There's too many people that try to be exclusive when our sport needs to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. We want more people doing this sport. I mean, heck, is it a shocker that basketball is so popular? All you need to play basketball is a ball mm-hmm. and a hoop. You don't even need a court, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can literally just, like, find a circle, like a ring, nail it up to your garage, and just start shooting hoops. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Our sport has so many things that already put us a little bit behind the eight ball, right? Like, mm-hmm. a, a set of mats is about fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. You know, poles are three to $600 each. You know, it's already hard to get to that stuff. You know, you don't need to be turning people away. Who cares how high someone jumps? Because here's another thing that I notice. You know what I notice? That kid that was really cool in high school, that thought he was awesome, for regardless, whether he's a quarterback or whatever, they don't work so hard Mm -hmm. because they already think they're too cool for hard work. You know who ends up really winning long term? Is that kid that wasn't that cool. Mm -hmm. You know, that guy that got rejected by the cheerleader. You know, she didn't want to go on a date with him. Mm -hmm. You know, that guy that got benched. You know, that guy's hungry. I mean, look no further than someone like Tom Brady. Dude, Tom Brady, if you watch that, that video of him at the Combine, he looks like a spaz. He looks terrible. He was a backup quarterback through college, and then he was a backup at the New England Patriots, and it was almost luck. Like, Drew Bledsoe gets hit in the chest uh, by a New York Jet linebacker, and he had to go get rushed to the hospital, and then Tom Brady you know, ends up being quarterback, and he wins. But why does he win long-term? Because he had a chip on his shoulder, and he wanted to work hard. Let's be inclusive. Let's let those people who can't play other sports try this sport because they're going to love this sport. And the more people we have doing it, that's how this sport grows, you know. And I think, I think, you know, again, you hit the nail on the head. Like we have to be more inclusive in our sport and find more ways to welcome more people. Don't like, don't turn people away. Look, if you have, if you think you have too many people in your club, you know, or too many people trying it out in your high school, open up another session. You know, you coach at a high school, you got 10 kids on the squad, and you're like, I can't handle anymore, then split it up. Do Monday, Wednesday, this group, Tuesday, Thursday, this group, you know, or maybe like whatever Fridays that you split it up. Do more sessions. Mm -hmm. Open up your doors. Figure it out. But every time you say no to someone, guess what? They're either finding another event in track or they're finding a new sport. You know, they're, they're going to go, you know, go play on a skateboard mm-hmm. in a mall parking lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing. You're going to love this story. And it reminds me so much of skateboarding, you know? Because yeah. we all know how skateboarding started out, right? It was like kids who bought skateboards and they'd go to a mall parking lot where they're not allowed to, like, play. And they would just, like, go, right? And cops would be kicking them out. Mall security would be kicking them out. So I, I bump into this kid at a meet. And he's talking to me. And he loves pole vault, you know? And I, I literally, I was like, listen, dude. You know, if you can't make it to the club or whatever, dude, just DM me. Like, I'll help you any way I can, you know, whatever. Again, trying to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. And he tells me, he's like, yeah, you know what I do uh, when my coach tells me to put the poles away? And he's at a school that doesn't have a pole vault coach, right? So mm-hmm. these kids just kind of practice on their own. 
And he goes, uh, when my coach tells me to put the poles away, I hide them under the bleachers. And on Sunday, I go and jump by myself because mm-hmm. I love it so much. I'm like, that's some skateboard shit, right? Like, that's crazy, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, we do have a great sport. It's just, like you said, let's be more inclusive, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's not make this an exclusive thing. Let's be inclusive. Let's get more people, you know, involved, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Brad, I just want to thank you for doing the podcast. Yeah, uh, this was, I kind of shocked you with this. You didn't <laughs> know you were going to do this. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, definitely. You know? Sure. All right. I hope everybody enjoys the podcast. Make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram. It's at the real apex vaulting. Also, I'm going to be more involved on Twitter now. I can't believe this guys. Also, uh, I've been seeing some bad stuff on Twitter and Instagram. I saw a little high school kid ask a comment on Instagram to some professional pole vaulters, and not only did none of them answer his question, which that's sad. Like, you want more fans? You you want to be more involved? Answer your fans' questions. Mm -hmm. But secondly, no one defended this kid when someone called him an idiot. So then, obviously, I I defended the kid. I went on there. I was like, really, dude? That's what you're going to say? Grow up, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I answered the kid's question, and, uh, and then it was funny. I started DMing with the kid, and, you know, he definitely loves, you know, my help and all that kind of stuff. You got to win people over. Stop being exclusive. Mm-hmm. Be inclusive. Um, we'll see you next time, guys. See you.